Hey everyone, I'm here with Dane Simpson, who is a comedian from Wagga of all places, and you might be thinking, not exactly the hotbed of comedy. If, if you're from around the Riverina or northeast Victoria, you're probably wrong. It seems to be the hotbed locally or regionally of comedy, and Dane himself has recently just elevated beyond this little pocket of the world to some bigger and better things. So I thought, Dane, I might start with a quote of a photo from today, actually, on Facebook. And it read, quote, My first solo show, April 9th to the 22nd at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. End quote. You looked happy as all get out of that photo, mate. <laughs> Can we maybe just start? <laughs> this show works a bit differently. We start with what's going on right now, and then we kind of go back and work out how we got there. So can you just tell us yeah, about, cool. maybe tell us about last night, because that, that would have to be a career highlight, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. The Yeah, for the gala, um, the All-Star Super Show, I, I just, how insane. Um, just incredible to do. Again, this, this guy from Wagga Wagga, of all places, is knocking around with Husey. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, an, an absolute highlight. Like, I, I love doing I did the uh, Oxfam Gala last year, and that was just equally just incredible. So, um, and it's, yeah, it's just weird to be knocking around with really cool, amazing comedians or people that are just so good at what they do. Um, and then I'm... I'm on the bill as well. <laughs> what a, yeah, what a weird concept. You're not running drinks to them or handing them their food. You're actually, <laughs> yeah, you're on the bill. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> it really is. And we recorded this video as well uh, for uh, Fairfax Media, and it was just insane to watch, like, um, Jamoan and, yeah, Akmal, all these people that I grew up watching on the telly. And then I'm on there too, just giving my little opinion. And I'm just like, ah, oh, Wagga Wagga gets a, <laughs> yeah. gets a run. <laughs> yeah. Like, why am I allowed to speak in the presence of these people sort of thing? Yeah. <laughs> so weird. So weird. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really awesome. And yeah. I can't remember, actually, I grew up in a town called Coryong, which happened to be the hometown where Corinne Grant was from. And Corinne, oh, wow. maybe not quite as prolific in the comedy scene as she used to be but i know she still does a lot of private work and she's still a very funny person so yeah but other than yourself and corinne i can't think of a whole lot of comedians that and for some reason dane i've got an audience even though this show is hyper local as far as a podcast goes i'm getting some of my downloads every week from north america so whether they're just people whether they're just people that i've gained because i've done 15 podcasts over the last 10 years and i've accumulated probably nearly 800 different episodes of shows. Maybe I've actually got some yep. people that actually like me. I don't know how that happened, but just just for just for reference for people overseas that maybe you've heard of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, they know it's one of the premier festivals. Can you just describe maybe what that gala is? Because to me it's like when I think of comedy, I'm a huge comedy fan, it's like our version of getting a, uh, a Tonight Show set. Or yeah, yeah. It's the Australian version yeah. of getting a very high-profile short set where it's just all your best stuff. It, it's so strange because I grew up watching it. You know, like I, I, I do. I, I talk about this in my show, but it's um, 100% real. It's like me and my brother uh, turned on the telly, and we used to watch the Melbourne International Comedy Festival on the television and uh, the, the gala. And that was my first and realistically only back then exposure to, to comedy. So they only, that's all we had in Wagga. We didn't have – we don't have comedy clubs, or we do now, that I brought here. But back then we, we had nothing, you know. And we did have some touring comedians coming, but they were really big names, um, a big Australian names like Carl Barron and Akmal that was that was coming around and Jamoan and that that was really it and I couldn't afford tickets to go to them and I was only a kid so uh, yeah the only exposure to stand up comedy is me being on this gala uh, watching the gala and then last year to be on it is just ridiculous like I just can't I still can't fathom it uh, it's so. Yeah, I, I, I can't get over being. It's it's a phenomenal thing. It it really leaves me speechless actually to to be on it and to do it again. 
Um, so there's an Oxfam Gala and then there's a, an all-star super show now. Um, that wasn't around when I was, when I was younger. Um, I think it's only a recent thing, but yeah, I, I, I just, I feel like maybe the, the, there's so many comedians that they just can't fit them all into, into that one night. But the Oxfam Gala is raising money obviously for Oxfam. Um, and the all-star super show, uh, is a, is a show where you can actually get paid, which is, um, <laughs> In in a sense, you know, it's without without the good deed, but it, you still get money, which is, as a comedian, you don't really make a lot of money in Australia, so it's good to it's good to get that. Uh, it's good to get a big gig, but also get paid. Exactly, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. It's in that same sense that the Tonight Show was the ultimate industry showcase in our country. It's as close to that as you're probably going to get when. Everyone's doing a short amount of really good stuff. If you can hold your own to any level in that kind of show, then you're obviously going to hopefully open yourself up to more work. So, yeah, absolutely. It's the biggest, yeah, the biggest exposure television gig I reckon that you could possibly get. And you, and that's the thing is that you're um, you're really aiming at everyone in Australia. Even though you're in Melbourne and there's a couple of thousand people there at the time on the night, you really should be, I don't know, maybe directing your gags and jokes at almost Australia because everybody from across the country is watching it. Yeah, and I'm sure we will circle back around to the festival again just to talk specifically about maybe what your show's going to roll out like. Obviously not the jokes themselves, but we'll talk about when it's happening, different things of that nature. But can we just go right back now, Dane? Have you always been a Wagga boy? A Wagga man now, uh, obviously, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, realistically, uh, I moved to Wagga when I was about four or five. I grew up, I grew up here, went to went to school, and then my dad uh, moved back to Walgett, which is uh, out back in New South Wales. And yeah, during the school holidays and stuff, we'd go and visit my dad and hang out with my nan. And that was heaps of fun, but always, yeah, always lived in Wagga with my mum, grew up with my mum uh, and my my two brothers and, and my eldest brother moved to Wagga with that, with my dad when I was really young as well. So it's just me, me and my brother Kurt and, yeah, my mum. Just in terms of we don't want to relitigate your whole childhood, this isn't really the type of show where we do that, <laughs> but just when it came to comedy, I mean, I've seen some a lot of your stuff online and now speaking to you, just to break the fourth wall a little bit, I actually do try to talk to people about my potential guests if I don't happen to know them. So I kind of have a little bit more feel as to what type of person they are. The yep. few the few people I've spoken to about yourself is that you want to. They've all said you're completely unaffected by what's going on around you, and you're exactly the same person, regardless of what <laughs> seems to be happening with comedy or otherwise. And just now talking to you, you do you are a very friendly sounding guy. <laughs> Were you were you the well, class clown, or were you someone that sat in the background thinking, "Well, I'm actually f- the f- I'm funnier than the class clown. I'm just maybe not the big mouth at this point." <laughs> I um yeah, I think I think I was a bit of a class clown, but I, not disruptive. I love I love a good laugh, and I think that's the sort of family that I grew up in is always like spinning a yarn and and having a laugh and seeing whatever happened that day. It's almost whoever can spin the most, the best story or whoever can get people laughing the most wins. Uh, it's, but I don't know what you win. You just, you just win at life. I don't know. <laughs> um, and it was, just, it was just fun. Like, and then I think the, because that's my family and that's how I grew up. Uh, that's how I was at school as well. We just always told stories. The thing is that my dad is an absolute idiot and it's so funny. <laughs> even even last night, like he's just carrying on, and it's really it's really silly and fun. And I spin that's what realistically, as I tell stories about him, and he always says to me after every show, "I'm funnier than you." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's very true, but you're horrible at telling stories, or you're horrible at recapping what happened, whereas I'm great at it." Uh, so it's really just me reporting to the world what's going on. Um, yeah. More so than me being a comedian, uh, it's me just telling everyone what what my dad's been up to lately. Realistically, <laughs> so you're really a, an exceptionally good verbal journalist under a different name, being a comedian by the sounds of things. Just that's because, and part of my show is about like um, 
I feel like anyone can do comedy. Like I feel like people have this comedian in them. It's just, it's really, there's, there's a few rules that you just got to learn about shaping a story and, you know, uh, word economy and, and all that type of jazz. And, and, but as soon as you sort of figure out how to tell a good yarn, people, and people do it, you, you automatically do it. I reckon everyone does it over, especially Christmas time when you've got all the family together and you tell the same story every year for the last four years and it starts to shape, you start to drip, leave bits out that are boring. Um, you start to like get really into um, details that are really funny. I, I think that's what comedians do. It's just, we, that's happened over a, a short amount. Oh, that's happened over a long period of time. Realistically to do it as a job, you've got to be churning these stories out very quickly. Which we, we will yeah. we will come to in your particular brand of comedy, how you get to what is funny in your stories. But just on that, I think you might be selling comedy short a tiny bit. I mean, who is it for me to tell an actual comedian what they're doing when it comes to comedy? But I think that the skill that comedians have is that a way that you tell a story that has rapport with people that have no familiarity with you as a person. Whereas if you're telling your family, they're willing to let you fumble yeah, around very, or go off on a tangent true. and come back to the joke like you're not going to get shut down by you know someone in your family that's 30 seconds <laughs> mate you're out <laughs> no, yeah man's not giving you a light yeah you, you have got a face. red light flashing at you wind it up buddy <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's so, yeah somewhat but uh, maybe maybe the foundations of a of a yarn you know is is there yeah, not necessarily like a, a, a good comedy set is coming out of uh, Christmas dinner, but certainly like the foundations of like how to how to tell a good story. I think people do it. I did it as kids. You you spin a yarn in the schoolyard, make people laugh. You you yeah. I I loved. I I remember watching the Melbourne Comedy Festival and really enjoying the um the the the, the jokes. But then I'm rewriting them almost oh, uh, that's interesting to just sort of make them more funnier for me <laughs> uh, or, or to make them more relatable to to my friends when i when i'm going to tell these again at school yeah right so was it at school that you feel like you got was that where you really started to develop comedy chops or do you think that it was outside post school was it after high school that you really felt uh maybe comedy is something that i want to put a bit more work into or Oh, um, what's crazy is like I've I've been doing comedy for three and a half years uh, as a as a gig, so I'm not I'm in no way like uh, being sort of shaping myself and working my way towards being a comedian. Yeah, um, it, it's been it's been nuts. It, realistically, that's why uh, my show is called Origins. Is just because uh, it's it's just it's been three and a half years. It's been a crazy ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's that's all I've done, and it's weird. Uh, I get to be doing these amazing shows, and I meet these heroes. But it's been a very short time that I've that I've actually been doing comedy. Just for the people listening, Dane, can you put into perspective how short a time frame three years actually is in comedy? Like you're yeah. you're now at a level where your comedy is developed to a level yeah. where you can get on the international Melbourne International Comedy Festival. That's not something that would normally happen in that amount of time, is it? No, no, not at all. Yeah, everyone else that I've been working with is is realistically they've been doing it for ten years plus. Um, a lot of them twenty, twenty five years. Yeah, and for three years and to be just I don't know I. It's such a crazy little journey that it's been on. Because uh, I used to be a DJ, and aren't we all at one stage? But um, <laughs> but a very like quite popular is a wrong term. But I, I did I did a lot of big gigs, so I've always been entertaining. And I feel like my family does that. My family is very entertaining family. Um, I've got a lot of musicians in my in my dad's family, a lot of singers. Um, all that type of stuff. And so, yeah, I, I used to DJ, I tour around along the East Coast doing all the music festivals and whatnot. Uh, so entertainment was really where I started. And then uh, doing techie stuff, so setting up speakers, microphones. I owned all that gear, I still do. And the, and then a comedian came to town and it hired me as a, as a techie. 
I went with him to Outback New South Wales, which is where I come from, and the or where my dad comes from. And yeah, I, we were just spinning yarns in the car, like just always just telling stories, just doing what I've always done, like in life, you know, like started at school and just told stories, just being silly and fun. Um, and then the comedian's like, you should, you should tell that story before I do my show tonight. Uh, yeah, crazy, absolutely not. So this person didn't have any opener, and you just within a car ride became a one-story opener. Is that, or was there another person? Was there three people yeah, on the no, call, or just yourself and this person? No, just so I was. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was the techie, and then yeah, and he goes, "You should tell that story," and I was like, "Yeah, sounds great." <laughs> um, <laughs> and then that was it was just absolutely nuts, and like. Again, living in Wagga Wagga, we don't have comedy clubs, so it's not like I've I've got this place where I can jump up and refine my act or tell jokes. It's just really spinning the yarn at the pub or at my at my friend's house or with family. Yeah, so it's just been crazy. And then uh, I I came back to Wagga and we just I I felt like we needed to have a place, so we we invented the Riverina Comedy Club. So that's your work. Yeah, yeah, and and we found some uh, local people that were like-minded and very funny, and we just sort of have been stumbling along trying to figure it out together. The funniest thing is I invented a comedy club and had never been to a comedy club before. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's – what what do you feel like you got right, wrong, and what did you accidentally get right or wrong? (laughs) Um, yeah, there was a, a lot because, you know, if you've never been to a comedy club before and you've got to host a show uh, and you have no idea what you're meant to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can you just tell people sort of, what what you mean for people that aren't that familiar with comedy clubs themselves? The host has a lot of duties beyond just a few light jokes, yeah? There's a bit to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And and uh, bringing, bringing the hacks out, obviously, but also getting the crowd warm getting everybody ready for what's about to happen and, and educating everyone, I suppose, on what the night's going to look like. It's, yeah, it was crazy because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And also <laughs> what what's good is that the, the crowd didn't know what to expect either. So everybody just came along, watched the show. People were very funny. I got a headliner from Melbourne, Geraldine Hickey, yes. um, I'm who I'm yeah. very good. Um, she's amazing, and we're very good friends now. She's just this incredible person, but she uh, headlined our very first show and sort of coaxed me through it. Um, she's like, okay. And I was like, what do I do? And she goes, okay, um, just get up and bring the next next person out. And I was like, okay. So then I, I, I'd get on stage and bring out the next comedian, and then I'd get off, and then she's like, "Okay, now we can we can have a break if you want or whatever. It's up to you." And then yeah, so just just together, I think we just sort of figured it out, and it was a great night. It worked. Um, it worked well enough. It probably wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. And that was that was three years ago. And I'm assuming since then, I mean, I've seen that you guys have had a lot happening. And yeah, yeah and it's, are you it's bringing, been incredible? Yeah, let's just maybe narrow down just on the the local content of those shows, obviously when you're bringing people in from out of town, they have established amounts of time that they can do. How's the local scene, maybe as far as the punters, are they embracing local comedy as much more so than what they were? And is that, do you think, because of the Riverina Comedy Club? And how is the actual quality of the local content? Obviously, your content is now probably at Bigger than a local level as far as quality, but I'm sure that there's a. I mean, I used to play gigs every week up in Wagga, and there's some funny people up there, and some wild people too. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and that's that's the best part is that like you're taking these people from like this country or rural areas, and they're like getting on stage and just letting it rip and being just hilarious, and people from all walks of life. So in the comedy club now, we've got almost a, a representative from every minority that you could think of, uh, which is so cool. And it's this, it's this mix of nutbags, and it's great. They're very, very funny. It works, it works two ways. So the, the comedy level of these guys um, in the Riverina has just, it's gone 
bananas in such a short amount of time because we all look after each other. We we all have like a, a meet every month and we go through our material and, and we give each other ideas and talk about what where where a good joke lies or concepts and stuff. Um, the guys have gone, they've entered Raw, which is the uh, the amateur competition for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, looking for the best amateur comedian, next best up-and-comer. A few guys have gotten wild cards this year wow. and last year. That's awesome. Uh, to, to get into the, 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 and that's to get into the state finals. But to to go from nothing to getting these to this recognition, yeah, it's a little bit of validation. Even though you know rules a great competition, it just shows you a good level of where these guys have gone from literally nothing, not doing <laughs> any comedy, not having a comedy club, to a few years in, and now they're getting this validation of being like given wild cards at state finals of of amateur comedians. It's it's amazing. Sorry, Dane. Do you feel like as one of the more experienced people in amongst that group, do you think you can pick it in people that that person is funny, but they've never had the platform to be funny? Oh yeah, I reckon I reckon so because we, uh, uh, my partner Eleanor and I, uh, almost cruise around and scout people <laughs> in Wagga, um, yeah. and we go. All right, I reckon that person would be really good on stage. So we, we go and watch shows and stuff, and then we'll go, that guy that's singing, he's a very good singer. I reckon he could convert that energy into comedy. I think he'd be very funny. And then so then we approach them, uh, have a chat to them, and then, yeah, get them involved in the comedy club. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we find these amazing comedians. We went to the, um, what do you call it, Toastmasters yeah. um, to, to try and find some people, and there was a, a young... A uh, guy there named Varun, and he went. He was doing Toastmasters to help uh, with his English because he he came over from India. And I'm like, this guy's this guy's going to be really really good. Like, I, he's very clever in how he writes a um, a speech. And then we we got him to come to the comedy club and just write a set out and and just come to the workshop or come to our little talk and we'll we'll go through and we'll try and find funny. Uh, and he was just brilliant. Like he, in no way did he need any assistance. He just wrote this amazing comedy set yeah. and walked in and delivered it. And we all just lost it in, in hysterics. Uh, and then he's done the comedy club and he's done it a few times now. Luke Heggie was uh, one of our headliners recently. And I just, I was walking along past the comedy club and Luke had grabbed Varun and was just like, mate, there's something in there's something you've got something in it like you know if you're in Sydney uh, I'll help you set this set up uh, or get get into some comedy clubs because he's just he's just brilliant this this yeah. Varun guy but it, it's cool to get that validation from somebody who was nominated for an Aria you know best comedy yeah. album last year um, and he's just yeah he's grabbing this guy who. I know that we we specifically scouted. We went to the toast Toastmasters is really boring. I, I didn't like. Can you just I didn't explain? Want to go to... Obviously, I'm assuming that Veron, if nothing else, had no crutch words and didn't fumble or stumble or bumble around because Toastmasters. <laughs> that's essentially their mission is to teach people to clarify and transmit a message clearly. So he was obviously a good speaker by the time you got to him, or would he have made that same impression on you? But that's well. That's a, that's yeah. So he'd won an award for the Toastmasters. Um, yeah. So for the for the definition for the clarification and stuff that he was using with his uh, um, in his speeches, and I seen it in the newspaper. So Eleanor and I were like, let's go to Toastmasters and see if this guy. Uh, let's go and watch him. And so yeah, we went and watched it, and I was like, yeah, this guy's going to be brilliant, and he was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely. To this, like, maybe that was two years ago, and he's now a crowd favourite, you know, of in Wagga Wagga, yeah. um, and and he's also uh, entered Rural Law and got through the heats. I, I don't know how he went. Um, uh, he mustn't have mustn't have got through, obviously. Uh, otherwise, he would have told me. But yeah, uh, the scene is growing. Like, for, one for the comedians because they're they're just phenomenal in in their comedy. It's ridiculous um some of the stuff that these guys think of and then 
the the crowd, so the, the audiences, used to be in Wagga, if you were Carl Barron, Husey, or Akmo, or Jamoan, then people will go and watch you, or Kitty Flanagan, yeah. uh, people would go and watch you. But now, people are willing to take a little bit of a, a risk in, in their comedy uh, choices and who they're going to go and watch. So we've, we've got such a good following with the River Inn Comedy Club, uh, and people trust us that uh, a great headliner, but also the local acts are going to just annihilate. Um, so now people's tastes in Wagga are starting to develop, which is just phenomenal. So, you know, we've, we've had people like Arnie Donner come to, come to Wagga who, you know, is very absurd sort of comedy and very out there and silly and fun. Um, and people, people love it. People go and watch it. It's, it's amazing. Just for, before we start maybe narrowing back down on what you've been doing, Dane, lately the last few months, what ex- how often is the Riverina Comedy Club happening? And for anyone who is listening, how do they find out more about the upcoming acts, et cetera? Is it once a month or is it more regular than that? Or Yeah, once once a month is, is what I've found uh, the limit for, uh, for Wagga Wagga. But, yeah, first Friday of every month, um, it's at a, at a place called the Q Bar, uh, which is the nightclub here? Is that in the old the old saloon bar or? Um, it's the saloon bar is where it used to be, but now it's in the nightclub oh, room. Wow, so that's a big room. Growing so a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's pretty impressive. Very big room. Uh, there's a stage put in there, which is yeah, and it just looks great. There's a lighting lighting rig and and whatnot. It it just looks it looks the part, but it's also we've got these phenomenal comedians coming in. And they also they're driving to Wagga Wagga, you know, like they're not. They're, it's not Melbourne and it's not Sydney or Canberra. These guys, these big headline acts, are coming to Wagga Wagga, um, which is just crazy, you know. For me, I, I just think that that's so, so awesome for these guys to take that, take that time out of their, out of their way to to come all the way here because it's a long way. It's four four and a half hours drive. Yeah, uh, from, from Melbourne or Sydney. And um, it's not yeah. unlike Albury, Wodonga. It's not on the highway either. There's you have to no, divert, no, you, divert away from the highway. So yeah, exactly, you've got to yeah, you've got to, to turn off. Um, but it's 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 awesome, and it, it works two ways for them as well as like uh, as headlining comedians. Because one, uh, regional New South Wales is very mm, not not up to date with their comedians, you know, like the very popular comedians. Yeah. Great. Um, but the up and coming comedians, not so much, you know, like maybe, maybe just don't know who they are and whatnot. So it's, it's good to, it's good for them to come out and, and show off their skills and what they do as comedians. But it's also, uh, it's good for the crowd to get exposed to these comedians doing what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it works in two ways. Nice. So we, you did mention in there traveling a long distance, which is something you've been doing on a regular basis lately. So I think we might have oh, mentioned, mentioned earlier on that you did the Oxfam Gala last year in Melbourne. But since then, I wanted to just talk about two things, Dane. And we could talk yeah. in whatever order these happened in, you can talk about them. I saw on your Instagram that you, and I didn't actually see it, and I'm a big, big fan of the program. Have you been paying attention? You were involved yeah. on some level in Have You Been Paying Attention? And I have to ask if, if you happen to have met or hung out with Marty Sheargold, who I think is the funniest person in this country, <laughs> and also the Adelaide Fringe Festival, which you've more recently been doing. So did you tackle those in whatever order you like? Can you just tell us a little bit about both and what happened there or any funny stories? Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Marty Sheargold. Absolutely incredible. Um, he, I agree. I think he's ridiculously funny. A lot of what Marty does and says doesn't actually make it to air, I think. Um, he's a dark cloud, he, which is what I, that's the type of comedy I love the most. Is it, there's a sense, <laughs> there's a bit of darkness to it all, and it probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's rogue. Like, he's 100% rogue. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's a loose cannon. Like, you know, you can't, you can't tame him either. And I, I love that they don't try. They just go, oh, well, yeah. that's Marty. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, have you been paying attention was possibly one of the greatest things 
that I was being involved in last year. Uh, I love that working dog crew and everything that they do, I think is just gold. Um, and I always have ever since I was a really young kid, I've, I've loved everything from, um, uh, what was the show? I, I used to watch it, uh, like almost like a Ray Martin sort of show. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a, the Light Show, not the Light the Show. The Light Show. No, was it the Light Show? Something, something like that. Maybe the Late Report or something. But uh, through to the panel, I used to watch the panel. Yeah, um, you're probably then, you know, too, you're yeah. probably too young to remember the Degeneration. I'm assuming the radio oh, stuff. Oh right. I had. I, I've got. Yeah, no. I've got much older siblings, and they used to tell me. When I was in Melbourne, they love that. And I was a real little kid, and they were already at university. They were listening regularly to the DGen, which is where a lot of those guys came from originally. It was real theatre of the mind stuff. So it just yeah, it, that's, that's it, incredible. It made sense that they moved into doing more and more television and movies and stuff that was more visual because they always kind of had that storytelling going on. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I just yeah. it, just for people that maybe can't place these people, that's where they originally came from. The DGen. Yeah. And that, and that's yeah um, and that, yeah the panel, the thank God you're here yeah it was incredible um, but yeah and to be in, to be involved in the show and also you know it got a Logie last year for um what was the most popular television show wow so <laughs> that that how how insane to be yeah to be involved in that in any in any capacity is is cool but to be on the show and then get a call back. And come come back again two weeks later is just so you were actually you were incredible. part of the panel on the actual you weren't writing for the show or working behind the scenes you were actually on the sorry Dane I couldn't pick up from the Instagram what actual capacity that you were there in you were actually one of the comedians on the actual on the broadcast is that yeah wow that's yeah. F- so that's that, fantastic mate you might have to send me some links if where we can still find that I'd love to see it yeah <laughs> yeah it was. It was just incredible. Like I, I just had so much fun, um, and yeah, you know, to me that too is like a little bit of validating. Like it's this, these incredible comedians are on that show, uh, and it's something that you sort of go, you know, I'd love to be on that. I, that's that's a show that I would just, uh, it'd be insane to be on that. And then yeah, getting that phone call, I, I just don't yeah, how how incredible. Is it Tom Gleisner that's the main host, or am I getting him mixed up with someone else? Is it Tom? Yeah, yep. yeah. Tom, is- Tom Gleisner, uh, Rob Sitch, and uh, Santo yeah. uh, is involved. He's a, um, he does the editing. Okay, yeah. They must have had you pegged as someone with a very fast wit because Sam Pang, Marty Shegold, Ed Cavalier, I mean, maybe they're not, maybe not all as traditionally dark and funny well in my opinion is what marty is but they one thing yeah. they all have in common is just inhuman wit like it's just like you yeah. would, you would think to, for people to come up with such funny stuff so quickly they would have to edit out some of that time in between but <laughs> apparently that's not happening it's just they see well, something and then a million ideas fire off in three seconds and then <laughs> i think I, I think when you're involved in it like when you're actually in amongst everyone you you just get into it like it becomes a game right um and it's fun what i what i really couldn't get over is um not if you don't know the answer to a question you still push the button <laughs> that's that's really hard to it goes against your better nature yeah <laughs> um and then i i remember sitting there um and just going i haven't i haven't spoken in a while uh, I better push it. Doesn't matter whatever question next, just push it and then just come up with something. And then I, I instantly regretted it. Um, and I thought, oh, that won't make television. Uh, and then it did. It also went under Dane's best bits, um, <laughs> which I was like, oh no. So the the lady from Survivor was there, uh, and she said something along the lines of like, where is Survivor being filmed? And I had no idea. But I'd already made up my mind that I'm pushing the buzzer anyways, and I pushed it. And then when they asked me where Survivor being filmed, I'm just instantly going, I don't. Um, an American high school, and I regretted it straight away. <laughs> Jeez. And tried to tried to eat that, eat the words as they're coming out of my mouth. Um, yeah, and I, I remember Ann Edmonds just looking over to me, going, "Enjoy those tweets," and I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> 
yeah, no one, no one really cared. I don't think it was. Uh, I think I looked too much into that. If anything, yeah, um, that's yeah, well to me. That's pretty, pretty funny, mate. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not funny because yeah. of the implications, and I'm assuming that's what you meant by the tweets. But yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, to come up with that on the spot's not too bad. So. It's very yeah. cringy, yeah. but yeah, I was happy. And uh, just, yeah. I think the one thing we probably should have mentioned for anyone who's still not one hundred percent sure what this working dog thing is, the basically you're talking about the team behind the castle. So one of the most you know revered and loved Australian comedy products probably of all time. So I actually spoke to Anthony Simcoe, who was on a show called Farscape. And he actually worked with Working Dog because he was Steve Kerrigan, which was the brother oh, right. on the castle. Yep. It's an earlier episode of this very podcast. And he just talked about those guys in the same glowing terms that their creativity and the, more so the way that they allow people to feel safe to have any idea at any time and nothing's too dark and nothing's too out there. And just bring it all, throw it in the mix and... Santo and the guys who are maybe the better editors, they'll make sense of it later, but they never stop people in the moment from saying what they think is the funniest thing they have on their mind. Did you find that same environment? Did you feel that, that it was a safe place just to say whatever? Obviously within the rules of television. That is 100% it. Like it's 100% nailed it. They are incredible people and they 100% let you do and say whatever you want to do. They even even talked about it. Um, Santo came over and he just said, "You know, swing and swing, and you know, I'll I'll look after it in the edit. Don't feel like you know you need to uh, censor yourself. I'll censor you. What I can't what I can't edit is you just sitting there doing nothing, <laughs> which is um, real genius when you think about it. It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. This it makes so much sense." And yeah, he's brilliant. Um, oh, they all are. I just I, I can't talk them up enough. They're just amazing people. Well, I hope for your sake, Dane, that you obviously get another call up this year. Just speaking of editing, the Adelaide Fringe Festival. I think it was Adelaide, or was it Perth? Yep. One of the, wherever it was, the Fringe Festival. I keep thinking it's Adelaide. That's burnt into my brain. That's a place where certain comedians have really the shows that they take to the Melbourne International Comedy Festival were birthed edited and refined in Adelaide. Was it yep. was it a place where you were going there with already finished material or were you using it as an opportunity? This isn't on national television, etc. This isn't the biggest festival in Australia, but it's still important. I'm going to use this to refine my set that I already have or were you creating stuff that ended up making Melbourne throughout the Adelaide experience? Like, How did it work? I um this year is my first year doing festivals like the big festivals uh, outside of Melbourne. So I've never I've never really done I've only done the Melbourne Comedy Festival before. Um, I do a split split bill show with a, a guy called Matt Ford, uh, and the show's called Aboriginal, which is a great pun, and it's such a silly fun show. Last year we sold out at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Um, as in like our our whole season, which is just incredible. So we thought that we'd take that uh, and and start doing Adelaide, Perth um, this year. But in a sense, um, I have been putting in some of the some of the jokes and some of the stories and stuff that I will be doing in my uh, solo show, just to give it a little bit of a an idea. Um, to see how they go and whatnot. Perth, Perth, we sold out our season again, which is just amazing. Like I just can't get over how how much people are really uh, loving the the shows and the comedy and getting around us. Adelaide was good, but it was you know we're competing against thirteen hundred shows, so um, yeah, <laughs> yeah so much for people to pick from. And oh, the, I'm complaining. I wasn't complaining. Um, we had good numbers. But they just weren't. Uh, we weren't selling out, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I just wish we were selling out." And I don't know. Sometimes I think that comes across so like uppity, like as a as a comedian when you're telling other comedians who are getting six people into their show, and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't sell out." It's horrible. Like that's, that's. But I don't know. I, I feel like when you um, the, the happiness is measured in, in how good you are, uh, in how good you are that day, sort of thing. 
you might be overthinking that because I don't think there's any comedian in the world except unless you have some kind of death wish around your career that, career that wants less people. <laughs> Every podcast that wants more downloads. Every football club wants more people to turn up in the stands. Every tennis player wants to win more matches. Like it's yeah, very just, true. But bums in seats is the it's the thing which you're judged by as a comedian, and yeah. you'd rather have the maximum number of people in the room. I guess There's yeah. nothing wrong with that, really. Yeah, yeah, very true. I I had fun at Adelaide. It was it went for a very long time. So we did three weeks, almost a month um, there, and. That's the longest that I've ever really done a festival for. I, t- I tend to stick around the two weeks sort of mark. I feel like yeah. that's enough. I don't. I don't think people want to see me for more than that. So Melbourne's really going to be my first time doing my first solo show. Sorry, just before we go on to talk about Melbourne, can you just tell us maybe what does Adelaide have a different feel? Is it a different kind of event? Is there something special you can tell us about the Adelaide Fringe that maybe isn't the same in? Melbourne or Perth or any of the other places that you happen to have performed? Like, what is it about that event that's kind of special? I, I loved I loved going to Adelaide. I, I never really, so I've never done Adelaide Fringe before, uh, so I didn't know what to expect. And then I went over, uh, I got involved in a few other people's shows, which is incredible. I, I, defi- I, I always go and watch what other comedians have got. I love comedy. I love it. I always have. Um, and I, so I always... Uh, at fringes, I don't necessarily go and watch a lot of the magic shows or, or circus and stuff. I do watch a couple, but I'll always go and watch a lot of the comedians. I loved the the venues are great. I was at the National Wine Centre and it was just this beautiful room, and it was great, great sound, all that type of stuff. I went over to the um, there's a place called the Gluttony. There's also a place called the Garden, and they they have these. Uh, really big fields where there's these huge tents. Um, and I watched a few comedy shows there. There's a lot of noise bleed and stuff, but it's it's just crazy all this stuff is happening. Like, you know, you've got a comedian and a fire twirler and then somebody spruiking a fire twirler next to a, a stand-up comedy tent. And I'm just like, what is going – like, this is – this is a real circus. Like this is so full on, uh, and people are just choosing what they're going through at the spur of a moment. They're just walking around, just going, "Oh yeah, well I'll just walk in this tent and watch a magician." Like this is just—it was just crazy, so nuts. <laughs> it sounds—it sounds pretty wild. I've it, got Dana, really I've got this overly—I've got this overly dramatic friend that I know from Adelaide, <laughs> and he said in a really serious voice, "Nah, Josh." The Fringe Fest in Adelaide, it's the, it's the avant-garde comedy of Australia, mate. <laughs> I mean, he reckons everything's the avant-garde whatever in Adelaide, but he just said it, it's where you're going to hear the most twisted stuff, the most out there stuff, stuff that is starting way out to the, you know, way out in the distance and then maybe over time, over the course of the Fringe, it works its way closer to the middle yeah, just yeah. as the audiences. But you said you're going to have some audiences over there that you just can't. You could say things in those instances and in those audiences that would never fly anywhere else. Absolutely. So I don't know if you got if you got that feel, but yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, uh, it was crazy. What, what was your show about? Actually, can you just tell us for some context what the actual show? Can you um, tell us again how you named the show, what the reason for that was, and then maybe what exactly you were doing? Because was that a two-person show as well? Yeah, it's a split bill show. So uh, Matt Ford uh, is an Aboriginal comedian from Brizzy, and he's one of the first people that I've that I've worked with when I first started out doing comedy. And yeah, Aboriginal, lol, a silly, silly pun. Um, uh, obviously, it's so funny to hear some people. Um, bring us out and they're like we've got aborigine laugh out loud and i'm like no that's oh you, my you, gosh you're losing the pun mate uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but uh, yeah it's it's really what i love about the show is like me and uh, matt ford are completely different in our styles of comedy so matt is quite a very he's this angry old man but he's like he's 20 25 years old um but you would swear he's he's very very. I call him Uncle Matt because he's very okay. old. Um, <laughs> he's, he's angry and he just says these really horrible things. And he's very funny. He, he he's very dark humor. 
He's another fan of Marty Shigar. He thinks Marty Shigar is, is the best comedian in the world. Um, well, I think that I need to get to know this gentleman more. Yeah, yeah. He sounds, like, he sounds like someone I'd get along with. He's he's so good. Um, and then my comedy is not. It, it's almost opposite in a sense, but it's very slow. Uh, I talk about my family a lot, and and more just about how silly and fun things are. So the the show dynamic is great because we're very close um, as as friends, which sort of adds that little bit of, uh, I suppose, that little bit of charisma, you know, that we've got for each other. Um, we look out for each other and whatnot, but then our comedy styles are very different. So we've got a very good link, but yeah. And I feel like, you know, when you go and watch a comedy show and maybe half an hour, maybe 40 minutes in, sometimes if, it doesn't necessarily mean the show is not going well, but you just look at your watch and you're like, oh, how long is left? Okay. Yeah. There's about you know, 15, 20 minutes left sort of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, we're we're switching over at that halfway point, so the, a new brand of comedy comes out. So you're almost getting two shows in one, but you don't get enough time to get bored That's uh, cool. of having this person. And it's it, it just flip, and, but it's still that theme of there's always going to be a flavour of Aboriginality, I suppose, because that's where we that's both of us our backgrounds. But uh, yeah, just different styles of comedy. It's great. I lo- I love the show. I think it's really funny. Obviously, selling out is just insane. But uh, I just, yeah, I love working with Matt. He's like my, my best friend um, in, in, in comedy. And we just, yeah, it's a kick-ass show. Well, hopefully in the future I'll get the chance to see it. It sounds great. So that's obviously yeah. not the show, though, that you're taking to the festival in Melbourne starting on April 9th. And I do try to keep these to about an hour, Dane, because I think the same thing happens with a podcast, particularly if, I start to get a bit tired. The guest has had to be funny on my behalf for at least an hour, <laughs> normally. Yeah, yeah, it's usually only coming from one side of the microphone, and it's not mine. So, there. <laughs> if we could just wrap up quickly with what the show is that you're taking, obviously, yep. we don't need to cover the jokes, but maybe what the tone is, how it's different from what you have been doing, and maybe if some of your heritage is still making it into the show, whether it's still about your family, etc. So. Can we just cover off on that yeah. and then we'll say goodbye? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so the Melbourne Melbourne Comedy Festival show that I'm doing, it's called Origin. Um, and it's it's really, because it's my first time doing a solo show, it's almost like the best of, of what I've been doing up until now because I, I haven't been involved in comedy for that long. But it's it's really about, and I think we talked about it before, is like where I think comedy comes from, how I got involved in comedy, and yeah, it's, but my family, uh, I talk a lot about them. Um, I think comedy for me really stems for a lot from my nan, um, who was very, very funny when I was growing up. Uh, and she'd do things to try and make me laugh. Uh, she'd play her walking stick like a trombone and stuff when I was a kid. And just to, just to be silly and always looking to have fun. And I feel like that's passed on to my dad and my dad's family who are now, you know, as entertainers um, and, and work in that industry. And then it's it's sort of trickled down to me and just telling stories about all these guys. And, and my mom, you know, she's just this incredible person um, who's really sort of like this strong uh, Aboriginal woman who's like fought uh, for her rights and stuff all her life. And my brothers, my brothers are just idiots, um, <laughs> and, and just getting involved in comedy. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, just getting involved in comedy. My my brother Kurt, um, who's this very strong man, uh, and we're, we're sort of opposites in a sense because he's this big, big bloke. Um, his opinions on my comedy and what I do is very brotherly. Like he just, he really couldn't care, and he tells me. Uh, like when I when I got on the gala, he's just like, yeah, mad, and I'm like, oh well, that's why I'm I'm ringing you. I thought that, you know, I'm going to be on the Melbourne Comedy Festival gala. We used to watch it as kids, and he's like, yeah, we used to fast forward all the shitty comedians, so yeah. I'll probably fast forward you. Just don't bother uh, calling me till you get Triple M Sydney, mate. In the morning, <laughs> <laughs> get Lawrence Moody off there when you take his spot. Give me a call. It's, it's that. It's just, <laughs> he just couldn't care, and it's great. That's what brothers are brilliant um, for, though. So. 
Oh, it's amazing, and I love I love these uh, these people that are that I get to share my life with, you know. And I love telling stories about them. Uh, my partner Eleanor is just constantly burning me. Um, I think it's more just to bring me back down to earth when we do these really cool gigs, when we're driving home from Have You Been Paying Attention, and I'm just like, oh, you know, that was incredible. Like I, I just got to be on a show that's. Logie nominated as best show in the country. Like that's incredible. Like I, you know, I haven't been doing it that long as a comedian. And she's like, mate, all the good comedians are in Edinburgh at the moment, so don't don't think you're that mad. What oh what should say there? They couldn't get anybody else. So good on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's this kind of stuff that happens in my life. Sorry, Dave. Like, Can we just you know, cover off on the podcast that you do? Is Eleanor your and I'm sorry to Eleanor if she's listening, and I I didn't catch the female voice that's on the actual podcast. I I must have missed the name. Is she your co-host, or have I got her confused with somebody else? Yeah, yeah, she's yes. Yeah, so she's a co-host um, as well. She's she's very. I probably should have known since good. you were talking about trips away and all those sorts of things. It's a little bit intimate detail for just some random person to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, Always, uh, always burning me. Always bringing me back. Um, yeah, um, I call her Spitfire. Whenever she uh, feels like it, she just spits a couple of fireballs at me just to just to keep me grounded. Yeah, um, which is really funny and really really cool. Um, yeah, so that's that's what my show's about. Realistically, is just it, it's called Origins about the origins of comedy. I think for me. Uh, and where all this craziness started and, and me getting my first gig as a comedian and then touring the country, uh, doing these shows and just really being shocked that uh, old Wagga Wagga is knocking around with people like Tom Gleason and Dave Hughes. <laughs> like, it's just insane. I, 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 yeah. I've always said that I, d- I don't think I could live in Wagga, but... There's a there's a little bit of a magic to Wagga that you don't find any. This is including Albury-Wodonga, which is a bigger air, a bigger city when you combine them together. There's just yep. something special about people in Wagga, and it usually comes out at about two o'clock in the morning at the Karingal Hotel in the car park. <laughs> like <laughs> like people who don't know each other, who have nothing in common, will be just having the most fun time talking to each other up there. Whereas in a lot of yep. places, they'd be trying to either stand like stand over each other, fighting for taxis, getting into beefs, throwing up yeah. in the gutter, whatever, and then giving each other crap. There just seems to be yeah. a certain thing in Wagga where people are a little bit together in certain situations, which I've always loved about the place. That's what I – because, it, like, strangers talk, it's great. Like, it's so much fun. Hey, where are you from? What do you do? How come you're here? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's awesome. Like, what, a, what a friendly, nice little place. Can I, uh, can I tell um, you a little story about, I, I knew that Wagga was different and I'm obsessed with this island off Canada called Newfoundland because they have like a special dialect, Dane, where if they're asking you how you're going, they say, what are you at? But really fast, what are you at? And I just love, I, I love little bits of dialect from around the world. And in Wagga, I heard yeah. for the first time the expression, straight up me arms. And it was a shearer at once again in the Kringle car park, and he goes, "Boys, can I can I jump in your gear trailer and get a lift into town? Because I put two uh, two grand up my arms this week." And I was like, what? "Sorry, mate. Oh no, straight in my arms, mate. Two grand straight in my arms. I haven't got a buck to my name. I go get paid again on Monday, and that'll be straight up my arms too." <laughs> I was oh like, my god, this guy! And he was such a friendly dude, and he was talking about this boat like we're just a couple of, you know. Aubrey cover man kids at university doing the business degrees. <laughs> but I reckon yeah. I've heard 10 things in Wagga that I've never heard anywhere else. <laughs> and that's one of them. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's loose. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, it's what I love about it here is that it's safe, you know, like Wagga to go out at, at night. Uh, there's, there's minimal, um, People, you know, getting into fights and uh, whatnot. There'll still be the odd little biff. It's it's rare. Um, yeah. They just yeah. They really look after each other here, and that's cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. It so I just feel safe, which is um, always a good thing. So particularly when you're doing comedy, <laughs> you want to be able to yeah get away with things and not 
you know, worry about what's going to happen if you offend somebody. So, and there's there's a mural, there's a mural of me. So that you know, you can't you can't uh, can't knock a place that's got this massive bloody picture of you on the side of a building. I can't let this go since you brought it up. I wasn't going to actually bring that up because <laughs> I thought there might be some kind of scar tissue related to it emotionally, but. <laughs> What do you think the funniest name is you've been like? I'm assuming things like Mural Boy and all those things get yelled at you. But what what's the best thing you've heard related to the mural? Um. Oh well, actually, Eleanor, um, the Spitfire came out again when we first uh, when it first got put up, and I thought it'd be really nice to take it down there and, and check it out. So I was talking to the uh, the graphic designer, uh, Rubes. Uh, Ruben Bultwood, who um, who done it, he's from Sydney, uh, and he said it'll be done at four o'clock. So so come down then. And I, I picked up Eleanor, went down there at four. Rubes was just knocking it off, and as we pulled up, I was like, "What do you what do you reckon?" And Eleanor's like, "It's it's incredible. Like it looks looks so good." And I was like, "Yeah." And we got out of the car, and I introduced her to Rubes, and I was like, "Oh, this is my partner. This is Eleanor." And then he said to L, "What do you think of the of this mural?" And she goes, yeah, they've got the same size head. And I'm like, mate, that's not what you said in the car. Like, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> good on That's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what my dad said to me when my band made the back page of the Border Mail one time. I might have been the front page. He said, yeah, yeah, you're looking a bit fat in that picture, son. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Dad. Good on you. <laughs> You're never going to get support from your loved ones, are you? It's just... oh, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, or congratulations. That is, there's, there's two things that oh. you could have said there. Um, I think you went with the wrong one. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, righto, mate. Well, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Dane. And just for anyone who's listening to this that may be like myself, an, an accused comedian in hiding, and there is someone out there that's listening that wants to give comedy a go, how open are you and the Riverina Comedy Club to someone like myself that may want to get up for the first time? And I've been thinking about it in the background, and that's just something that's been on my mind for a couple of months. But if there yep. is a young comedian out there more specifically that maybe doesn't even have any material yet, what sort of time would you be looking for from a brand new stand-up at the club? And how would they reach out about maybe getting the chance to perform? So we- we we do um, like workshops. Um, the the Riverina Comedy Club's curated realistically now, so we we pick the comedians who are going to be going up, knowing their material prior. So it's more more curated than an open mic. But it's we do workshops every month before we do the show. Um, and so yeah, we encourage people to come along to that. Yeah, and those people who do the workshop, do they get to obviously as long as they're eighteen or however the licensing works, do they get to stay for the show? Once they've yeah. been to the workshop, is that? Yeah, yeah, we yeah we we do the work yeah, but uh, we do the workshop say the day before or maybe a uh, a week before, um, and just go through everyone's material. So all the comedians from Wagga, uh, and and a few surrounds, um, we'll go to the workshop and we just we just come up with concepts or ideas and jokes and we just walk through we just yeah walk a walk through it see what people are thinking, um, and then we any newbies come along to that and we just encourage and help people to get a set together. And as soon as they've got like their five minutes, then we, we pick them and get them up on stage. It's a, it's a very, it's an easy process because you know, that way we know that you're not going to get up and bomb it, you, your stuff's already trialed before you, you enter the stage, which is good. Yep. Sounds great. So just if people were, interested in that workshop they could reach out to the facebook page i'm assuming or is there a website yeah the facebook page is the easiest um yeah. Most, everyone's on there so it's so easy yeah exactly yep awesome right mate well thanks so much good luck obviously everyone around no the, everyone around this area albury i mean every, anyone with a connection to wagga either is or should yeah. be very proud of what you're doing and i liken it to my friend chanel sharma who moved he also moved from india to wagga and now he's a professional oh, right. professional opera singer. So he used to wow. sing in a metal band, yeah. and now he moved overseas for several years. <laughs> did his hard yards in Wales, toured Europe, and now he's doing opera in the Alps, a full time gig in Sydney, and touring Europe. Oh, how incredible! And that's just some of the wow. pe- some of the people that you've come across in Wagga. Just are these outrageous talents, and you're obviously one. So thanks, mate, and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, bud. <laughs> See you later. Thanks, my brother. Bye bye. Yeah.